coming up hot. Coming, about to be. You're going to swear. Oh, I can't remember how the intro starts. What's the first line? Hi, folks. Welcome to Deceptively Clever, a history podcast that's casual about the truth. I'm Justin. He's John. Hello. Um, I think that's how it goes. Do you want... Have you got anything earth-shattering to add just before I launch into my usual misery, John? Um, whoa. Big ask. Because um, I've got a couple of items, but I just don't want to lead... I, I want to lead with them, but I just want to check that, you know, you haven't lost an arm or something. I haven't lost an arm. Um, my sort of preparedness for podcasts has um, obviously taken a hit. Um, I think you'll appreciate that I'm sat on my floor with my laptop on a wheelie suitcase... Um, and neither my phone nor my laptop is charged, and I only have the one charger that I'm switching between the two things. So it's like a. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. You've got power. You've got two devices, but you've got one cable. Yeah. So I'm currently waiting. My phone's on seven percent, and my laptop is on twelve. Um, oh. I'll wait till my phone's on. 10 and then switch the charger um oh they both charge okay. pretty quickly it should be fine i'll try and help with that by sending power to me um well it's now i'll try and remind you to keep the chargers working um, but that <laughs> sort of leads into my into my thing do you want the like sort of good news or a point of relatively incidental frustration that i'm now facing every day i first? think you're getting we'll... both We'll go down first and then we'll go up. Okay, good. Actually, that's perfect. That's how I should have done it anyway. Right, so I've moved to a new place. This had happened before the last podcast. There is a supermarket and part of the way that I live life is to go to the supermarket every day. And I like to walk to the supermarket no matter what the weather is. And I like to get the things I need that day and maybe one or two general things. So every single day I go at about, I don't know, 6.30 after work. Supermarkets are laid out pretty relatively sensibly in Australia. The bread's in the, f- the first bit when you walk in. You know how supermarkets discount things, John, so that you buy them? Yep. It's called the reduced section in England. People love it. Yep. In Australia, they do pretty much a similar thing, but at the end of the day, a person walks around with a little machine, they scan it, the machine tells them what sort of barcode to put on it, and they reduce it. Yeah. That's fine. I don't like wastage. I'd rather it go out. I just think someone, at 630 there should be some bread left on the shelf. And I'm not talking the bread I want. I'm not talking bread I'm relatively happy with. I'm talking there should be a single loaf of bread left at 6.30. We talking Why are they discounting things bread. at 5.45? No, no breads. Every, like, every day. Every if I want to guarantee bread, I've got to go at 5.45, I reckon. That's weird. No, I've got an object. The problem is it's from your country. It's so famous that you will know things about it. I didn't... It's the kind of episode that would have been really good if I had have done, like, about two full days of research. Um, but instead, I crammed it into what is already a pretty difficult week. Um, but that's never stopped me in the past. Also, I basically... I, do... I, I started yeah. researching, and then I, and I was like, I'm already too late. And I pretty much have... The amount of information that I would have had before we had guests, and then I realised that everyone does a better job than we do, so I don't think I could replicate that <laughs> level of uh, laziness that I did before. So I will be worry about next that. time with an excellent object. Yeah, it's our show. We don't. I don't care how well they do it. <laughs> <laughs> they do it. Every... Well, I was going to say they don't do it every week, but nor do we. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, so what I gather from that is we're going to do my object, even though we're going to give you a point, and that's going to give you some nice... That's what I need to do. I need to sacrifice enough points that you are within sight of catching up so that you're reinvigorated by the podcast and sort of start to forget that the fact that it didn't go up for ages was my fault. And I think I've delivered the perfect object for that. Did you say it's, it's famous and from this country? It's famous. It's in London. Crown jewels. No. Oh. I reckon with four more guesses, you'll get there. Um. Oh, it's really hard to think of famous things in London. Um. I can only think of buildings. Um. It's it's a building. Is it? London yep. Eye. Um. No. Tower it's not of a building. Nope. Um. The. 
London Bridge. Nope. Uh, Samuel Pepys' house. Oh, I really thought you were going to get it then. Was that a joke or is that an actual thing? What, Samuel Pepys' house? Yeah. I don't know. But he's the guy... I don't know if that's actually a place, but he's the guy who um, buried cheese and wine during the Tower of London... Uh, Fire of London. Oh, where the Great Fire of London, 1666. Is that what we're talking about? Yep. This building is centrally related to and... The bakery. Our podcast. No. Oh. But that will be one one day. Also, Ooh. we don't know how many coffee shops were in London before the Great Fire, and I think that is a part of history that needs to be looked into more. <laughs> coffee shops. Anyway. Anyway. Um, it's not a coffee shop. It's got nothing to do with that. It's an area that I have absolutely no right talking about because it's so far beyond my expertise. Um, how many coffee shops do you think there were before the Fire of London? There's a report that estimates it. I don't know why, but... What? I remember doing this this kind of research at a time in my life when I didn't have a history podcast that I would just go down rabbit holes of such things. And, yeah, so the reason I was looking at it is because I became fascinated with the Enlightenment and the role that coffee shops played in the Enlightenment because when people stopped drinking beer all day and started drinking uh, something that was a little bit more pro-creativity, we started figuring things out. Um, shall I just reveal the building so we can continue on? Oh, yeah. Wait, are you not meant to say search engine ready? I was going to tell you the building and then tell you the search term, but if your search engine is ready, we can do both at the same time. You are looking for St. Paul's Dome. Ah, uh, I should have guessed St. Paul's. Should have, should have guessed that one, yeah. That's okay. How familiar are you with St. Paul's Cathedral, John? I feel like you like a religious object. St. Paul's Dome. Are you very familiar with the construction of St. Paul's Cathedral? Uh, I know next to nothing. Good. I'll just say it also at this point. We are usually pretty clear that nothing is guaranteed to be true that is said by us in this podcast. But if that was ever to be emphasised, it is today. Did you ever mention Casual um, with the Tree? I, I think I did. But I'll tell you what I've done, John. little hack for you. When people ask what it is now, I just say it's a competitive history podcast. Ooh, competitive's good. Yeah, because it like makes it sound fun and it kind of it, it does it all. So um I think we'll keep our tagline, but I think like what we're now doing is deceptively clever two point and I'm gonna sort of go hard down that line of like I'm gonna pretend that competitive history podcasts are already a genre. <laughs> and also that we truth. kind of made it. Yeah. Competitive are, with the truth. Are we uh, are we going for interior or exterior of the dome? Um, both are going to be relevant. There's a lot of objects involved here. There are actually three objects that are sort of centrally relevant. Whoa, slow down. I couldn't give you a picture of one of them because it would make the statement a little bit too... What would you call it? A little bit too vulnerable to visual investigation. Um, Shall I do a bit of an intro, which will probably sort of upset anyone who actually knows, and then we can get on to some statements after that. We've always offended Christians on this podcast, so may as well keep going. <laughs> Inside of London, there is an area of London called the City of London. Yep. It is an old place. It had a wall around it that some Romans were inside, I think. I don't know. A bunch of old buildings. Anyway. Nice. Inside of that, Good there history. is a site where St. Paul's Cathedral now stands. There has been a cathedral or religious place on that site for a long, long, long time. It was there when the Vikings invaded. It was there when the Romans were there. When the Normans invaded, there was a church there, some sort. There was a civil war in England at some point. I'm really somehow... waiting for me to interject with the date. But... Yeah, have you got it? Nope. I haven't got it. I was just going to say, some guy who was not a king came in and said there would be no kings and then made himself basically a king. Eventually he, like, he died. Lord Protector. <laughs> Lord Protector, yeah. The Commonwealth of England. Um, he he died. We ended up with a king again. This king has inherited a pretty... His name was Charles II, I think. Pretty correct. average country. I know that. <laughs> that was correct, was it? Yeah. Yep. And he decides the way to fix his country, which has been divided and at war with itself, is to re-establish its place as a European power 
by building a better than decent church. The cathedral that was standing on the site... Cultural epicentre, 100%. The thing that was on the site had been used as a stable during the Civil War, had not been treated particularly well, uh, was not looking that great. So they started thinking about ways to fix it up. And then the Great Fire of London, 1666, comes along, does serious damage to all of London, including the cathedral. So old mate Charles II, he's like, I'm going to need a guy to fix this. Firstly, I need him to come in and see whether this cathedral that we've got is fixable. Secondly, design the, the new one, the better one. If you were going to do that, what sort of people would you be looking for, John? You need someone to build you a cathedral. What um, kind of professions? And I'm the King of England. You're the King of England, yep. Um, obviously, you'd go, I'm the King of England, I'll do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> what I genuinely thought you were going to say was I would look for the country's leading architect. Yeah, but um, I'm the King of England. <laughs> I'm the country's leading architect. I think he had a few other things to be sort of uh, entertaining himself with, partly dealing with a now all-powerful parliament that were quite intent on uh, ensuring that he was aware that they were actually in control. So he needed to outsource this job because whilst building a beautiful, large, new cathedral was important, it wasn't the only important thing. So um, I'm the only important I would have ex- thing as the king of England. I- I would have thought you'd go and find an architect. Turns out architects did not exist in 1669. So he went to one of the countries. Sorry? Did you make that date up? You sounded very unsure. Uh, Exactly what he did in the years after 1666 aren't clear. I've got a start date on when they started building the new one. So I reckon it was, you know, within a couple of years of the fire having been put out, he goes to one of the country's leading astronomy and mathematics professors at Oxford. Uh, Little-known chap called Christopher Wren. Heard of him? Rings a bell. Rings a bell, yep. And if you're wondering, because I was wondering how exactly the king thought to go to that particular mathematician, they were childhood friends. Um, Oh, very nice. Yeah, you just basically give the job to your mate. So Christopher Wren was well, uh, already a very learned, wealthy guy. That's exactly how it happens in this country. Exactly. That is the only <laughs> way you get anything done in England. Yep. If you're wondering how they got the job, it was because they already knew someone. Yeah. Um, Wren was from a wealthy family. He was incredibly intelligent, proceeded through academic studies relatively well. Wasn't an overly strong child. They thought he was a bit sickly, but you don't need much other than a bit of aptitude and commitment to go to Oxford in 1620. Actually, it would have been 1640. Um, He started, interestingly, and this will weave itself back into our podcast today, folks, he started a secret intellectual society whilst at Oxford, which pretty soon after they all left became the Royal Society, which is probably my favourite society, I think. Um, It's (laughs) a scientific... Yeah, I think so. Like, of all the clubs and associations and organisations, I think the Royal Society wins. Because of science. Um, You name a person who made a scientific breakthrough between 1700 and 1850, and I'll tell you whether they'll remember once I looked up the membership, and they'll probably be on the list. Were women allowed Um, in the Royal Society? Not at that time, no. Women were. There you I go. don't think. I don't think they were allowed to have thoughts. I see your point you've made there, <laughs> and it's also a good time to mention that we do far too often concentrate this podcast onto white men who are almost definitely horrible, horrible people. Yeah. I have a theory on why we do that, which we could discuss at another time. So anyway, this guy's this guy knows about maths. He knows about science. He is friends with the other people who know about maths and science. He's a smart guy with smart friends. Smart guy, smart friends, well-connected, and old mate Charles II goes, come over here, have a look at this building site. Do you think we can rebuild this into one of the best churches in Europe? And he says Christopher no. Wren takes a look around and goes, absolutely not. This is a pile oh. of rubble. <laughs> Get rid of it. Um, 
And the so they, they did that mm, almost. <laughs> <laughs> so they basically he was Christopher Wren was given not an open book, but he was told to come up with an idea that would rival all of the other European cities basically. So he jumped on a boat to Paris, he had a look around. Christopher Wren decides the best way to do this is to design and construct a monument to classicism or classical architecture. I would say I don't think Christopher Wren was particularly worried about keeping everybody happy. Probably he's a little bit worried about what the king thought, maybe a little bit worried about what the church thought, but generally he was just interested in making a really beautiful building. Yeah. He comes back with this idea and they say, all right, draw it up. I think at this point we probably could go to the statements because Ooh. the next bit is related to a statement. Is there anything oh. from the foundation of this podcast which has not yet been made clear to you, John? Um. We've, got a build- we've got a church that burned down and they want to build a really fancy church in London, for London. The king wants to be able to show it off to other world leaders of Europe. The architects I mean, on board. Sounds fairly self-explanatory. I think so as well. You've done a good job there. I'm going to use my University of Edinburgh notebook I was given on my first day. That's exciting. First day yeah. is in years ago. Yeah. 2018. Oops. It's just been on my shelf, and now I need it. This feels appropriate. It says School of History, Classics, and Archaeology on the front, so it's very appropriate. You are a very fancy person. Me? Yeah. No, I'm not. (laughs) 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 Do you not hear about the the lack of charge on my... (laughs) That is true. I didn't say you were a well-put-together person. (laughs) I don't think I'm either well put together or fancy. <laughs> I think you're doing all right. Are we ready for, state- ready for statement one? I'm ready for statement one as I switch my charges. Okay. Let's go. R- Christopher Wren spent one year producing a model for the cathedral and then didn't even use that design. One year model, didn't use. Statement number two. The design of the dome specifically was not finished until they had already started building it. (laughs) Dome not finished until building. (laughs) Yep. Statement number three. This one is according to legend. However. (laughs) A flaw in an... (laughs) A flaw in an implement... Caused the miscalculations in the design, which led to having to redesign it. Uh, a fact of which Wren successfully covered up. Flaw in implement meant miscalculations. Wren covered up. That makes it sound like he's got clothes on. Covered up. Well done. If you want to add to that, the reason that I said according to legend was... Um, I got that one out of a YouTube video, which is not exactly subject <laughs> to scientific scrutiny. Was the <laughs> was the YouTube video about how aliens built the St. Paul's Cathedral? It was not, no. Oh. I that. probably didn't have time to watch the videos that got onto aliens having possessed Christopher Wren um, and made St. Paul's, Cased- St. Paul's Cased- no, Cathedral. He wasn't, he wasn't possessed by an alien, he was an alien. Oh, he just was one. Yeah, that's where you're going wrong. Just... Did he possess the king? Anyway. <laughs> um... <laughs> Shall we follow on from the narrative of the introduction that I had started um, to get through the model and I'll sort of outline how they built it? In I the would process. argue that that makes the most sense. So, okay. I'll decide that. that. Wasn't, I was obviously implying that I was going to offer the most sense. I was just checking you were okay with that. <laughs> I'm good. So... He, he comes up with the idea. The king's like, that sounds okay. And Christopher Wren's like, how about I build a model so we can see it and the benefit of building the model will be 
that if I die, you will have an exact indication of what this thing needs to look like. Um, and everyone goes, yeah, that makes sense. So Christopher Wren goes ahead building what is basically a Catholic-looking church, very similar to something in Istanbul, sort of similar to some things in Rome, um, very reminiscent of Parisian buildings. So he builds this model, he unveils it to the church and the king, and they go, absolutely not, that does not look like an English church. And he goes, oh, that's a bit unfortunate. What about if we... Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what he was thinking. He says, what about if we extend the east and west um, sections of what is basically a cross into wings and then it will look like uh, an English church that you guys will all be pretty happy with. And the king mandates for that through a coal tax which parliament has to raise and he provides what I thought was a pretty amusing line uh, allowing for variations rather um, ornamental rather than essential. So <laughs> basically he had liberty to make some changes to the way it looked, but nothing else. I'll make Christopher Wren, not to be scared of the king or particularly undone by this little road bump, starts construction and just builds a bunch of scaffolding and timber walls around the site so no one can see in, and then basically proceeds <laughs> to build exactly what he had in mind in the beginning slightly compromised towards the wishes of the church, uh, which I thought was brilliantly bold at a time where I'm pretty sure you could still have your head cut off just because the king didn't like you. Um, <laughs> oh, Christopher, and those good mason. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know, you start to test that when you're building <laughs> the country's most important church. They started building nine years after the fire, so 1675, Um, the dome was always going to be the central and poignant component of the building, according to Wren. That was the thing that he was really focused on. Um, But he also added a really grand west entrance, um, which the king had not approved. The construction of this will span 33 years, which sounds like an incredibly long time, but this was also the first of England's large cathedrals, which was finished within the lifespan of one architect. So you can kind of look at it both ways. Um, sounds like a long time. Actually, it wasn't a long time. No, it makes I think sense. I've probably He's given like, away... I might die. <laughs> Have this drawing. Yeah. Well, I mean, he built a model that was there to show them what to do when he did die, so I don't think that was would have been too surprising for anyone. Yeah. Um, the point is, eventually, we end up with a cathedral which has a beautiful large dome on it, Uh, The classic thing you hear when you visit London is that no building is allowed to obscure sight of the dome in any direction. So there are these wonderful sight lines where you can see the cathedral from uh, all sorts of distances on a clear day. It's kind of one of those tropes that I got tired of hearing when I was there, but it is cool. (laughs) You're you're waiting for the building that blocks out. Like, well done. I think they have now. I think it's sort of been successfully... Compromised, but yeah. Um, there were, I mean, as you can imagine, building this kind of thing, there were heaps of problems. We'll get into some of them um, through the statements, but uh, yeah, the point is they did build a cathedral. Christopher Wren did become very famous. He actually became knighted, so he's Sir Christopher. But currently at a point in life where I'm not sure people. that I need to honour uh, such titles in my speech from Australia. Or what, you should you think you should be calling him Sir Sir Red, Sir Chris? No, just I'm fine with Christopher. Sir Chris? Just Chris. As long as you're bowing slightly every time you say it, it's fine. <laughs> That's just because I'm tired. <laughs> so I'm falling asleep. Um, I mean, good statement. It does make sense that he would build a model in case he dies that didn't match yep. the... And I suppose if he's breaking all these rules or whatever. Did, does it say what in particular they wanted instead, both the church and the king? Um, you've been to York Minster, is that correct? Yes. You know how like that style of thing that it's longer than it is wide and there's a sort of... Well, it's in a, a bit, it, it looks like a typical like 
Jesus cross, yeah. the shape of those things. So basically that was the shape of English churches and they just scaled up or down depending on how large the region was. So that's the, kind of what they were expecting and that's what the original one on the site looked like. That's what the foundations were shaped as. But because he couldn't use the foundations, partly because they wanted something bigger than the foundations were already, he built what was basically a square with a big dome in the middle. Um, yeah. And then a little one of the wings sort of went down a little bit. So they went, no, you can't have this square-looking thing. It looks like a Catholic church from Italy. Um, we're not about that at all. So he's he, what he said was, okay, I'll push the east and west um, yeah. wings out and make it look like a cross rather than a square. I mean, it just these yeah. things, th- these styles of architecture do have names. I'm not using them partly because I can't remember, partly because I don't think I'll add anything. So. The model reflected what the original design of the more European one. The model reflected exactly what Wren wanted to build, which was too European in the eyes of the others. Yes, okay. I'm following that. So he spends a year on a model, and then they go, what are you talking about? Of course we're not going to build that. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of sad. That would look really cool. Um, It did... It, the model looks really cool, and the model's still in the church, um, which Ooh. is pretty nice. So, yeah, the the model is really beautiful. It's very large. It's still inside the cathedral. I've never been in, but I would go and have a look at it now that I know about it. What's the model made of? Uh, it's made of wood. They initially painted it to look like it was going to look because the cathedral was going to be built out of stone, and... Then now it just looks like wood again. And how big is it? I reckon it's like a metre by a metre. It took Mm. me a year to make. Yep. (laughs) You're not happy with that? What a discerning... I suppose suppose he's designing it. I don't know, is a year a long time? To build a model? Well, in lockdown, it did take me five weeks to do a puzzle. Yeah, but we're talking about Sir Christopher Rett. Yeah, I probably should add, he didn't actually personally build it. He had a guy working for him who worked on the model for all of that time. So someone else is doing it for him and it took him a year. God. That's why nothing gets done in your country, mate. How fucking dare you. That's true. (laughs) Um, okay, I'll take that into consideration when considering the validity of that statement. Okay, excellent. You ready to go on to statement two then? I am. What would you like to know about statement two? Just for the people at home, uh, one of the points of feedback was that we don't often enough remind people what the statements are. So this is the statement that said they basically had started building the dome before they'd figured out exactly what the dome was going to be. But my question then, is yep. if it's true that he's built this model and all this stuff and he wants to design it as the dome and he goes ahead and builds what he wants behind these scaffolding with some yep. added added wings to make it look more English church-like. Yep. Surely they have the design of the dome. Yep. So why do they not have the design of the dome now when they're building it? Well, it's very easy to build a dome that's 20 centimetres by 20 centimetres out of wood. It's not so easy to build that out of stone. So they're just making so, it up as they go along? To a degree, yes. Basically what happened was they start building this dome and then it becomes very quickly apparent that that dome will not stay on top of the building. Things will fall down if they continue just to build it. So they have to figure out how to make the dome in a way that Christopher Wren is happy with but that will actually be a building not a pile of rubble. And how did they manage that? Do you want to just go straight into the final solution? <laughs> yep. So here's what here's, here are Ren's conditions. From the inside, he wants a beautiful um, hemispherical dome ornated with nice trimmings and some paintings and things like that. From the outside, it needs to look like a tall round dome and he wants that one to be a little bit more elongated not necessarily round 
and he wants to put a big shiny statue on top, which you can see from all of London. Mm. If you build all of that out of stone as they had planned, it would not have supported itself. It would have both fallen down and the foundations that they were building this on top of would not have survived either. Yeah, because that's quite a full so, spire on top of it, isn't it? Yeah, spire's a better word. Thanks, John. That's okay. Um, so what he figured out was they could build the internal dome, which you would see from the inside, which could support itself but could add nothing structurally to the rest of it. On the other side of the internal dome, he built a cone out of bricks, which could benefit from the engineering principles that uh, utilise triangles, basically, and compression. The strongest shape. The strongest shape. So basically this is, um, if you get a chain and you put a weight at the bottom of the chain and turn that upside down, the principle is that the weight at the top, will, through compression, will stop it falling down in the middle. And then if you put a band around it to stop the chain from breaking itself, that'll all hold it together. That was the point of inspiration. It was actually his friend Robert Hooke, who was another member of the Royal Society, that figured that sort of thing out at about this time. And then on the outside of the brick cone, which was to hold the spire up, he built basically a decorative outer dome that would look pretty. Um, But they hadn't figured this out when they'd started building the dome. I understand that. Did that make sense? Yeah, so they're not changing like the design of it, they're just changing the practicalities of building it. He had to figure out how to get the design that he wanted that would actually work, yeah. Well then my question is, so you're saying that there's now like a dome on top of the inside dome? There's kind of three domes, two of them are domes, and the thing in the middle's a cone. A, cone. a dome, three cone, layers. dome situation. Dome, cone, dome, yep. How far into building it did they realise that they needed the cone and the dome? So they built the pillars that the dome would sit on and they were starting to sort of encircle them. And at that point, like as they start to add, I think, I mean, it's been a long time since they did this. At the time where they started putting things on top of the pillars that would be the start of the dome, they realised that the support was not sufficient. Things were already starting to seem a bit loose and fall down. So they had to rethink it entirely. I just think that, like, based on the design of the cathedral, you can kind of see that logic there because it looks like you've got the main pillars and then there's, like, a little secondary group of windows or something that kind of looks like they could have been added afterwards is like, to get the height of the cone, if that makes sense. So you reckon it wasn't going to be that shape until they added the cone? I'm wondering if that's what the thinking behind that was. You would have to be looking at a picture of it to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but that makes sense. But, and those pictures are available. Um, okay, I like this one. I, okay, I think I, my initial thought is that this one is true. Okay. Because obviously building the dome would be hard and if typical english churches don't look like this you might not know how to build it i think on that logic uh there were other domes in the world but i reckon i also would have shared that perspective as you but were there other domes in england and uh, not this big i don't think because then you have to think about the transfer of knowledge from europe i'm going to say that this one is is my initial thought is true. Initial That's thought true. Okay. Good. Initial thought true. And with that, I'm quite happy to move on to the third one. The third one, which is uh, Legend sort of a and myth. therefore false. <laughs> it's a hypothesis that there was an implement that he used in designing um, the whole thing, actually, but the dome specifically, which caused miscalculations. And what then was covered the, them up. What was the implement? The implement was called a divider. You know a compass with the two spiky things that you use to draw circles? <laughs> yes. A divider is basically that, but it has notches on bands that you can basically use as a ruler. What? So you can use a compass to measure um, distance. Yep. 
when you move the two arms of the compass. Oh, I see. Um, so there's there's a ruler across it, so you know that exactly the. Yeah. The, so if you just radius. use it to draw circles, you've got a consistent radius. If yeah. you then put a, a bit a bar between the two things that can sort of slide in and out of each other, you can have a number show what the distance is, so that you can write it down and replicate it later. Yeah. So I'm assuming that the ruler part of his compass was wrong. So there are two uh, suggested issues with it. These have to be hinged, and it was suggested that as you pulled the divider's arms apart, it didn't just hinge perfectly, it actually separated a bit. So the distance, the rate of increasing distance as you pull them apart goes up in a non-linear way. Okay. Yeah. So at this time, designing scientific instruments was actually a really big deal because people could have ideas and then they had to figure out how to test them and you needed things like microscopes and um, clean bacteria-containing vessels, medical equipment. So there was, it was a, actually a really big industry to produce custom um, designed-to-order scientific instruments, and that's one of the reasons the Royal Society is famous now, is because they keep those sorts of things. So there were really famous designers of uh, instruments, and the suggestion was that the design they used for this was not very good. Ah, your beloved it would have been Royal made... Society has its flaws. Yeah. <laughs> so it would have been designed specifically for Ren, who was a fellow. He says, I'm um, building this dome. Get me something that's going to help me build this dome. And they say, you got it. And it's wrong. I think he might have... I don't know if he actually had this one done before he built started designing that building or not um, the second flaw was a suggestion that the specific notches in the ruler part of it weren't that accurate anyway Yeah. that they were slightly different widths and that the actual notches they were like little indents um, they were not the same size so it's fine when you design a little model but when you start drawing up an entire cathedral a little bit of extra stone starts to add a lot of compounding weight. Um, so how did he cover it up then? The reason that I found out about this was that I was watching a video about Christopher Wren presented by the head librarian of the Royal Society now, who's a guy called Keith. I love the YouTube channel that he's in. It's called Objectivity. People should watch it. Um, and so Keith speculated that the date of entry for this implement was too early and that Christopher Wren should have still been using it as an architect. So he's like put it into the vault of the Royal Society sort of for other people and then gone on to redesign the dome. Um, and it's sort of speculated, has been speculated within the Royal Society that that's a bit suspicious and sort of tied it together with the fact that they know he had to redesign the dome. That bit's not disputed. But then none of this was... There's no documented accusations of this at the time. So they're not sure if he covered it well, no one ever accused the implement of being wrong. So the suggestion was that maybe it was made by his friend or that he was really embarrassed that such a simple error caused such an expensive... <laughs> well, not expensive, because they got there in the end. But the suggestion was no one ever thought to question exactly why he started building a dome and then had to rethink and then redesign the three-layered dome system. That's why I said according to legend or um, yeah. allegedly. <laughs> This whole thing just makes us out that he really started out. <laughs> big, big ideas, but... <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I'll keep going and yeah. no one's going to stop me. I'll keep going and I'll, I'll solve these problems along the way. I'll get it done, but... Yeah. <laughs> there will be a dome. Mark my words. See, that was really hard because... That's a really hard one to unpack because... <laughs> a lot of it is just unsure of... <laughs> Um, I think a lot of things that happened in 1666 and onwards um, are pretty yeah. unsure. Yeah, but I'm only talking about this one. Yeah. So it's hard to well, it's hard to decide if that one is true or false. Okay. Oh, do you have any questions related to that? <sighs> so he never got in trouble for it or anything? No. Not on the record. It just sounds like... Know. This this sounds like it is quite a nice story to tell in 
like conjunction with the dome where it's like <laughs> they didn't know what was going on. Um, yeah, and I can see my problem is that anything that Keith says is true in my opinion. Um, I will fight for Keith. So, <laughs> so I need new catchphrase. I don't think Keith's an oat milk drinker. He is a Ooh. scuba diver. You never know. Could cool. be a hippie. Glass of oat milk down at the bottom of the ocean. Um, I just sort of assume that that is like true then, as a as a, a piece of folklore attached to St Paul's Cathedral. Yeah. But I've been burned before. Yeah, we both have. Yeah. <laughs> but it always makes if this, me think, if this always... podcast has been nothing but evidence that we should not trust a good story uh, yeah. that. <laughs> it always it always makes me think that like that one is true because why would you make something sound like a lie <laughs> so I'm like oh that's probably true would that make it a double bluff I think so no because you're like, not no I think you say true, that one of them I wouldn't is a... make it Okay. You saying that one of them is a lie would be a double bluff because then I'd be like, is it a lie? And then if it is a lie. But you're not saying that this one is a lie. You're just saying it's not true. Necessarily true. <laughs> oh, Wouldn't that, me telling I've you that one of them's a lie just be a bluff? Only if it was yeah, then the a double... Yeah, it was a double bluff if it is then a lie. Yeah, if I told you that item number Z is the lie and you then picked it. No, then you didn't pick it because you thought that I was trying what? to steer you away. That would be a double bluff, yeah. If I told you what to do and you didn't do it and then you were wrong, double bluff, successful. This is how we, we would play poker. <laughs> Just telling each other that the hands we have going, is this a double bluff or a bluff? We've said bluff and lie too much in the past minute. <laughs> We'd either lie about the definition of bluff or we'd just start getting really sort of, you know, psychologically damaging in our insults. Meanwhile, everyone else has left the table. <laughs> yeah. They don't care whether Barnsley is actually a reputable football side. They are. Really? Like, one might speculate that John Stone playoffs. would have been a significantly better footballer if he hadn't wasted part of his career there, for example. Who? John Stones. Is that not his oh. name? Yeah, he's great football. Yeah. There you go, got a reference. He's going to win the Euros this year. Um, uh, what you thinking now? Where are you at? Bring us in, John. Let us into your mind. I still think that two is true. And I think okay. I'm leaning towards three being true. I think that one is going to be a lie. And I think that one is going to be a lie because maybe the model does reflect the actual building. Maybe he changed the model. I think there's... there's I think that there might be like a slight hidden lie amongst that statement. You think I've written half of it true and then half yeah. of it like, oh, that's an interesting strategy. Yeah. So and I, I, <laughs> I like it when you say stuff like that because it makes it sound like you're then like, I wish I thought of that. It'll throw me <laughs> off. I'm going to stick with um, statement one as a lie. Are you locking it in? Yeah, I'm going to say that Ren model um, did reflect the final building or something along those lines okay okay lock it in i've written it down you've locked it in i've written it down i've been sitting here in like an anxious ball partly because i didn't have time to get heating happening and it's been a long hard day but i've just been oh, so anxious that now. i was going to do sorry oh, it's like two <laughs> degrees i thought i was going to do injustice to this topic and I have, but I also thought, like, you were just going to laugh and say those are such stupid statements. That's obviously the lie. What a waste of my day. How dare you think that you've got the right to reenact this wonderful podcast I think such you, a I th pit. I think you did a good job, Justin. Well done. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. I've had a great that. time. I now don't even care, because you're wrong. Statement three was the lie. I made the whole thing up. <laughs> of course statement three was a lie. It was, all it was all rubbish. Oh. I read it out and you said, lie. I know, but it's all the second guessing things with like, oh, well, well done to everyone who listens to this and got it right. He's done it again. I got it wrong. What's the I score? Don't even know what the score I don't even know what the score is, but at least now I don't have to worry about updating it. I think, Whatever I, was the score just, was, I think I was just ahead by about 10 points, maybe. That's absolutely not true. Whatever the score was, I think it's 8-5. 
whatever the score was, it's now the same. <laughs> yeah. You could you could put this podcast in anywhere in the series, um, and it would not matter yeah. because I did. I could even like <laughs> I could just put a voiceover now, whatever I record it, and just say that's what the score is. Yeah, it'll be like mm. a robotic voice. The score is yeah. eight five. <laughs> or what if I go back in time and enter an episode into the existing episodes? You're Does like, that break we, some we, sort of time continuum? You're like, we recorded this one, but we, but we like, it's out at the wrong time, all this stuff. Yeah, I'll put this in as episode seven. This could be the first ever episode we recorded. Oh. Yeah. I'm getting freaked out, man. I'd, I'd be really happy about that, because then we could literally make a weekly podcast and never break it. <laughs> oh. Um, it's, oh. Especially if I got to keep the other 28, because then we'd have 28 in the bank. Is Keith real? The key's real. The actual implement is real. There's no evidence that he used it to design the thing, and there's no evidence that it had any problems at all. Um, Keith. Keith Objectivity. Moore. Keith Moore. Check out Keith Moore too. He looks like a smart guy. Oh, it does not come up in my searches. I get a religious guy amusingly. <laughs> he looks Keith a Moore, little Royal bit Society. like. He looks a little bit like Einstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just without the mustache. I'm gonna. Uh, Google Saint Saint Paul's Cathedral model. Yeah, the model's cool. Check that out. Oh, it's big. The model is cool. So it was designed to be seen at eye height, so you could actually see inside. Yeah, it's um, massive. Is this is more much more of a cross? Yeah, this is much like. If you scroll squatter. down a bit, you can see a model of the yeah. So the the dome sits exactly on top of the uh, intersection of all of the wings. I prefer that. The one they built. No, the the yeah the model. Oh, you prefer the model? Okay. Looks more interesting. There's a whole lot of stuff I didn't cover. So one of the reasons that they didn't like that was that the parliament who were controlling the money wanted him to build the choir section so they could start having services as soon as possible. Um, but uh, Christopher Wren was worried that if he built something that was functional, they would stop funding the rest of the building. So he would like promise to build the bit that they wanted, and then just continue to spread that money evenly out of the out over the whole building, um, because he was worried they wouldn't let him finish his dome, uh, which was quite cool. So he, he was very paranoid. He kept he kept sort of like almost self sabotaging, in that he really risked being thrown off the job. By continuing through with his vision, it's got a very like, well, it's like a Parthenon at the front. The model. It's got a what? Like the, it's got like a Parthenon entrance. Yeah, yeah. So that was his fancy uh, west entrance. I like hmm. it. You messed up uh, denying, but... denying that model. <laughs> you can see how it took a year to make. Though I apologise for all of my uh, disgust at the uh, length of time. Do you think if I had made that the object, you would have not said that was a lie? I couldn't let you see the object, that as the object, because I presumed you knew what the church looked like. So you would say, oh no, that obviously isn't what they built. Do you know what? I'm starting to worry that maybe I, I wouldn't have known that. <laughs> <laughs> you are from the north. But you can see what I'm talking about with the dome. There's like, they've got like an extra set of windows in between the pillars and the dome. But allows oh. for the cone there's another good point in this actually so his issue with putting the brick cone in the middle was that he couldn't get natural light in because his model would have been a two dome system which was pretty common at the time you have a dome on the inside windows dome on the outside windows but he had a brick cone in between all of this so he cut a bit out of the top and as long as everything stayed lined up compression would keep the dome in shape with a hole in the top and then he cut some windows um, through the inside and outer one but the problem was you could see the brick cone from inside the cathedral so they painted the inside of the brick layer to look like it was the outside layer and got away with it <laughs> I like it yeah I thought that was pretty cool When people ask me what what's happening with the podcast, I can either don't need to tell them because they've been watching my life, or I just tell them what's happening in my life, and they go, "Oh yeah, I can see how that free podcast that not many people listen to 
could have slipped by the wayside. What do you tell people when all you've really got to go on is that I haven't done any editing? What What do you say when someone's like, where's the podcast, John? Um, I mostly blame you. Um, I mean, it is, there is nothing else to do. But, but yeah, like, do you have anything specific? Are you like, oh, he's, he's not doing so good or he might have died? <laughs> um, I tell them that it's all... I tell, I tell them that you've won the lottery and that you've um, retired to an island and you're unreachable for the time being. If I won the lottery, this podcast would become daily and I'd have to get a second co-host just Whoa. to keep the episodes up because you would not be on board with it. Um, as, long as, I, pay, as long as you're paying me to do it, I'll, I'll quit my job. Oh, so if I win the lottery and offer to you a full-time role I'd, just I'd, working on Deceptive Clever... I'd put more effort in. Yeah. <laughs> I might learn to edit. Anyway, let's go on to the sort of good news. In our... Uh, how long has it been since we recorded? Two months? Uh, I think it's actually been three. Oh, it has not, surely. Yeah. Oh, I'm, since I'm, recording. I'm yeah, fairly sure okay. that... Oh, since... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I had Jackson. Yep. Yeah. Um, it was definitely March well, in that, that we recorded. I have learned that I like my life a lot better when Deceptively Clever is being published. That is... <laughs> That's cool. In my head, since we last recorded, it's just been one long week that hasn't ended. Oh, so, I, feel like, I, I feel like so much has happened. The world's opening back up here. Yeah, and that's another point, actually. You're, you've had other things going on. You probably haven't even cared. Whereas okay. I've been... How dare you? Okay. Every single... If, I'm not sure I would care if I lived in a city that beautiful and had lovely things to go and do. Whereas I just go to bed every night and I'm like, that's another day the podcast didn't go up. <laughs> that's another day you didn't wake up at 5.30 and spend two hours editing before you showered and went to work. <laughs> that's another day without bread. God damn it, just have some bread ready at 6.30. <laughs> Was it also um, hard to find oat milk somewhere, is that? No. I'll tell you what I am on now. I'm on a very good wicket regarding oat milk options. Nice. That, what a... that supermarket doesn't have a much, but they do have chocolate oat milk on special very often. That also sounds like a very inaccessible phrase for people who don't know cricket or oat milk. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, hello to dear Sandy. Good luck unpacking that sentence. Um... <laughs> 